skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like combing through our partner's Instagrams, feeling deprioritized, and doing good things for the, quote, wrong reasons. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we're not licensed mental health practitioners, therapists, sex therapists Mm -mm. either. Mm -mm. Sometimes we talk about sex and we don't have the grounds to do that. No, yeah. (laughs) Uh, all of these things. <laughs> we are not professionals in any way whatsoever. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam, this week's check-in topic is inspired by, uh, I think it was a post in our 
Facebook group. If you're not a part of that yet, you can join our private Just Break Up Facebook group. There are like over 2,500 um, members and people post um, questions or funny memes um, or reach out to their Just Break Up community for support when they're going through something difficult or something funny. You know, like, hey, I'm going on a first date tonight. I'm nervous. Help me out. It's very charming. I love our Facebook group. But I honestly... I don't participate in it a lot, but sometimes I like creep on it. And um, I noticed there was a question. I think there was a question a couple weeks ago about location sharing on your iPhone in relationships. Do you know what this is? <laughs> location sharing? Yeah. Do you? On your iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. So like basically, if you haven't heard about this, you can um, on, is it just iPhones or is it also on androids i don't know oh, I have whatever no idea I, it doesn't i only know on iphones yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a man who made i'm not saying one is better than the other oh, oh yeah just you did make had fun of my dell for nine months straight <laughs> that is different <laughs> anyway um i think that phones are pretty comparable but, but your little yeah, dell yeah, was, yeah. No, was really chugging along and struggling was, much of the time it was the little com- budget computer that could um okay so Location sharing, for those who don't know, it's like something you could do on your smartphone where some a loved one, a friend, or a partner can always like look and see on their map or some. I've never done it, actually. But you can see the location of where that person's iPhone is, right? And yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's like it merits a discussion about whether or not that's romantic or just practical or controlling or like uh, potential for tons of anxiety. And I thought it'd be a great check-in topic. Full caveat though, I've never done it. (laughs) Um, Have you, have you ever done it? Yeah. Peter and I share each other's locations. So tell me what that's like. Um, Like, like constantly or like, do you just drop a pin? No, like, we're in the same family. We can see where each other is whenever. Okay. Um, and I mean, it's practical for for us in some ways because it's like, um, especially like when one of us is like driving somewhere yes. or like, you know, like if Peter is driving home to uh, Wisconsin, like, and I'm like, oh, when's Peter going to get here? I don't want him texting me so I can just like pull up his location and be like, oh, he's in this place. He'll be here in like an hour yes. and a half or whatever. Um, or this idea of like, um, you know, sometimes I will like text him something and he's not responding. And I'm like, oh, I I, I literally I'm like, I hope he's OK. And yes. I'm like, oh, no, he's just at school or whatever. Yes. So that's where he is. Um but I like I don't think either of us use it in a way to like police the other person of like where are you going? Like I don't that has never been a conversation between us. It is mostly just like a, a point of curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Of just like, oh, where are you? Um has it ever spiked just, like, like insecurity or more importantly, like anxiety? Like you were just talking if he didn't respond. I think there's there is a recipe for anxiously attached folks or maybe less secure relationships for this to be a point of contention in that it ups your anxiety. You know, if somebody doesn't respond, um, has that ever, do you see that character character trait in your use of it? No, uh, 
Peter and I are both pretty securely attached. So it often like makes me feel more secure because if I. You you don't um, feel the need to like. You know, like if I get. Yeah. If I get. The things that I would be nervous about would be like Peter having an accident or like something like that. And then it just like gives me the opportunity to be like, nope, he was in this place 20 minutes ago and now he's in this place. Particularly I'm thinking of like when he's driving a long distance Mm -hmm. um, and be like, oh no, he's still on the road. Like he hasn't crashed Mm -hmm. and he's not like dying Mm -hmm. on the side of the road without access to his phone, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, But it has never, never caused a thing of anxiety. Like I said, it's never been like, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you responding to me? It's always just like a, this is a point of information that is helping me understand the world yes, better. Yes, <laughs> like it's the more world information of our for you better. and it's not a source yeah. of, it's not a trigger or source of anxiety. Um, I think- Which I can totally understand that like if people were like, that's not a point of information that you should have access to. Like I also could totally right. understand if, if Peter or vice versa was like, I don't want to do this because it's, I, I don't think that you need to know where I am all the time. Um, yes. And again, like, I don't check it very often, right? It's right, like right. maybe once a week where I'm like, oh, where is Peter? And then like, oh, there he is. He's at Target. <laughs> right. I woke up and he was gone and I didn't know where he was. And now I know that he's at Target. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Better bring, and better I don't bring have to you bother back him something. Being like, where are you? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. And then I can be like, hey, here's my list. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no, but like, then I don't also have to be like, where'd you go? I can yeah. just be like, oh, where is he? You know? So I... I'm glad that you have experience in it because I don't. Um, however, I did Willow um, bikes to work often, like one of those yeah. wild people that like bike in the winter. Um, and so sometimes like when she's running late, I get really anxious about, you know, aggressive drivers or whatever, you know. And so I've mentioned to her about that function and her experience with it is like totally toxic. In one of her past relationships, it wasn't like, oh, my God, where is my partner? Um, although that did come up later. It was more like the partner used it as a way to obsess or police her right. behavior. My wife is a pretty stable, secure, trustworthy person. So it wasn't that her behaviors were making this person anxious. It was that this person couldn't. Right. Um, couldn't find the security in it. Could, di- could, didn't didn't use it for information, but used it as a way to like um, fuel her paranoia, and then ended up, you know, like being unfaithful to my wife. <laughs> Not to like dish. Uh, I don't want to get into their personal did, shit, but like, <laughs> did they get caught because of the find my? I'm not going to answer that, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth. How about that? And so that just means I'm like, I'm like winking at the entire just breakup community. (laughs) I know. So like when I brought, I was like, we could do this to make sure you're not like hit by a car. And she was like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Like, um, yes. And actually I don't know other than like, if we were at like a really crowded place, like a, I don't know, a fair <laughs> and I couldn't mm-hmm. find her like, and that could just like shorten the time in which we were, I don't know, separated or something. I I really, I think it's a good thing for me not to have it because um, I just have to like, again, exercise that trust muscle, but you're right to use it as a secure 
practical source of information I'm okay with. However, I'm going to just like take a gander, a guess, (laughs) and say that this is equally evil as it is good. (laughs) Do you, do you, I think it's a benign tool, but has like a lot of, yeah. Possibility I'm going to like, assume the temperature misuse. check and be like, I'm actually going to say I'm not pro this thing because I don't yep. know everybody's relationships. And because I know that access to people's access to people is just so overblown at this time in our lives that like it's we're not necessarily teaching ourselves different coping mechanisms. So I'm going to just sure. I'm going to be like a. Okay, maybe this could work well, but this could be a tool, you know, with great responsibility. What is it? With great power comes great responsibility. There we go. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's how I feel. I, I'm uneasy about it, to be honest. I love hearing that you have this positive relationship with it, though. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not in favor of it if it's being used as a tool to control or manipulate. Yes. But if it's used as a tool that is helpful for your relationship, yeah cool yeah like that's great you know like it could become like a really troublesome coping mechanism but it's also okay to have coping mechanisms right like it's okay to be like i know my anxiety about this person having a car crash is like kind of unfounded and if this is the thing that is like not harmful that i can do to assuage some of that anxiety then like I think that's okay. Right. Like, (laughs) like I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like if it's not causing active harm and it's a coping mechanism, like that is, I don't think that that's necessarily a a huge problem. But again, I do think that like, I would say that probably more percentage, a higher percentage of the time it's being used as a tool to like control and manipulate people. and And the red flag for me would be if somebody didn't accept um your personal autonomy or like use use this as a right. way to not trust you um another red flag would be like if people were demanding access to you all the time um oh yeah absolutely i think it is a really touchy tool just because it can be used so poorly and because like i don't know like i think you should have the you absolutely not should you absolutely do have the right to not share your location with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and if somebody is like trying to cajole you into doing that or not accepting that as an answer, then like that's that is absolutely a red flag for me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So those were our vague musings. <laughs> um, hopefully the person who posted about it in the Facebook group hears this. <laughs> <laughs> or I, th- I think it was a Facebook post. Anyway. You can join the Facebook group now. Um, there's a security question. It's who hosts the Just Break Up podcast. Tricky, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to get is into it multiple this? choice or do they have to like no, they have type, to type it, it in? in. Exactly. They have to, no, you oh, just have okay. to type in. No, no. It gets pr- approved by admin. So if you wrote like Salmon Sierra, that would get approved. Got or if it. you wrote okay. Got it. Uh, one time it was like Sam Blackwell and like Savannah. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just it's just That's a way hilarious. to like weed out people who don't listen to the show. <laughs> Whatever. They can sure, Google sure. it if they really wanted to. All right, let's get into some letters. All right. This letter comes from Jay Anonymous, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from I Wanna Be Better, USA. 
Hi, my friends. And yes, I say friends after listening to all 174 episodes and many, many Patreon episodes. Y'all feel like close friends to me. You have both literally changed the way I view all relationships in my life, and I have felt so much healthier mentally after finding your podcast. And the reason I'm writing today is because I'm hoping you can help me reframe a scenario that I have been creating in my brain for some time. Let me explain. I, she, her, 24, have been dating my boyfriend, he, him, 25, let's call him Andrew, for almost a year now. This was the first relationship I've been in after ending a six-year relationship, a relationship in which my severe, almost debilitating anxiety consumed the relationship. I understand I have an anxious attachment style, which is definitely tied up into my feelings of self-worth. Spoiler alert, I feel like I have no self-worth. My anxiety led me to be controlling in my previous relationship, making my partner feel guilty for hanging out with friends instead of me, not on purpose, but subconsciously my actions illustrated that I was obviously upset. Anytime he would bring up a female friend of or classmate, I would get insanely jealous and asked if he thought she was attractive. If he said yes, she was pretty, I would bawl my eyes out. Y'all, I literally have zero self-esteem and beat myself up daily about how I'm not good enough for myself, let alone a partner. Even though logically I know I'm also beautiful and successful, I feel like I can never live up to the idea I have in my head of how attractive and successful other women are and how that takes away from what I can offer a partner. I can go on and on. So this leads me to my current pickle. I love my partner. I love the way he makes me feel when I'm around him, how I laugh at literally everything he says, how he goes out of his way to make sure that I'm taken care of. He's an acts of service guy. I'm a words of affirmation girl, but I still appreciate it. And above else, he is the best communicator I've ever met. We talk about our problems so openly and honestly, and he never makes me feel bad when I'm upset, something that's triggering because of the way I grew up. However, although he is an open book, I am still that closeted, anxiously attached girl that I was in my previous relationship. Don't get me wrong, he knows I have severe anxiety, but he doesn't necessarily know the anxiety I feel surrounding our relationship. In one of my particularly low moments a few months ago, I went through every single one of his followers on Instagram, obviously to see what girls he follows, and then I clicked on every profile and saw if he liked any of their pics recently. Of course, when I found out that he liked someone's bikini pic, I felt like I couldn't eat. I was sick to my stomach, but I did it to myself. I was able to sort of, quote, get over it by rationalizing in my head that we aren't that serious, blah, blah, blah. But now we are very, very serious. And knowing he likes other girls' pictures on Instagram, even normal smiling ones, but of the girls that I deem more attractive than me, I get a sinking feeling in my gut. We are about to be long distance for a while, and I'm terrified of thinking that he'll be engaging with other girls on social media when I'm not around. I hate myself for even looking. I can't help but wonder if I was more confident in myself. Would I feel this way? Would I care if he liked other girls' pics? He's like the greatest boyfriend ever, and a like should just be a like and mean nothing more than that. But I can't help equate it to me not being good enough, not being desirable enough, not being attractive enough. I don't want to admit this to him because it seems crazy that I went through his followers. I hate the word crazy, but you know, I want to be better and work on this internally, knowing that I was emotionally controlling and a bit manipulative in my last relationship. How can I move forward and not care about my partner's social media activity? How do I move on from the guilt I feel for doing this? I'm driving myself insane. Thank you both so much. You've literally changed my life. Thank you so much for writing Jay Anonymous and for your vulnerability about all what you th- consider your skeletons 
in your closet. Um, I really appreciate mm. your transparency in this. And I think that um, you, hopefully you and some other folks will be able to learn from this discussion, myself included. Um, so I know, Sam, you read this as an anxious attachment style, as does Jay Anonymous, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I, you always correctly remind me that an anxious attachment style isn't necessarily something to beat yourself up about, that it's actually more about like validating your own needs and, mm -hmm. and letting yourself be anxious and then, and making space for that. And um, instead of having those needs come out in those toxic manipulative ways. Um, right. So I will, I do want to talk about that, but I also want to something that's helped me a lot when it comes to I, what, what I see as like habitual form of self-harm, which is the act of self-comparison, like the idea right. that like there's this attractability scale out there that's universal to all people and all people find XYZ people attractive in these percentages. And this is where you fall, you know, like the part of me that sees um, that, that, that harms myself with comparison. I just want to like break down that a little bit and talk a little bit about like desire and, and even like the ownership of monogamy and like maybe this, the scarcity that anxious attachment people feel when it comes to desire and attractiveness or whatever. Um, Cause there's so much comparison going on in this letter. There's so much self-harm going on in this letter. Well, whether we mm -hmm. want to call it self-harm or not, um, you are, you know, actively hurting yourself <laughs> by going through mm -hmm. that Instagram account. Every click is like a form of self-harm, right? Because you are seeking out ways in which you can reinforce the narrative that you are not good enough. And I'm, I don't want to like mince my words with this because I cannot, I want us to talk seriously about how, how dangerous and damaging this behavior is, you know? Um, that sure. is, it's, it's not just that it's like, it's like cruel. It's cruel to yourself. It's not that I don't mm -hmm. understand it, Jay. I absolutely understand it. I have done these obsessive, anxious. Um, I have looked obsessively and anxiously for reasons why my anxiety and my self-worth is right. That I am trash, that I, that, that they don't want me, right. that they are going to cheat on me. I have sought those things out and guess what? I've found them, you know? So it's like this weird mm -hmm. self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy. And also I want to start talking about this as like an active form of self-harm. And I want to start talking about, I want to pivot the language that, that I don't want this to be another thing that you aren't good enough at, you know, like I don't want this to be another right, thing right. That you're like, oh God, I'm just like, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not desirable enough. And on top of that, I'm anxious and I'm so needy and I'm crazy. All of these things. Right. No, 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 not at all. Like you are struggling, you're suffering, and the, your needs are coming out in these ways in which you're actively hurting yourself. And we can pivot all of that. We really can. It's not going to be about finding that bikini picture that he liked. It's not even going to... I want us to, we'll talk about you talking to your partner about this, but I, I really think that a lot will come from trying to be k kinder to yourself. 
that sounds like so cliche, mm-hmm. but like, um, yeah. All right, I'm gonna pass the baton for a minute while I catch my breath because yeah. I'm eight months pregnant <laughs> and I can't fucking breathe. Sitting on that exercise ball. Oh uh, yeah, I'm on a yoga ball right now, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, no, I love that that idea of like. Um, I think so often we walk through the world beating ourselves up for the the anxiety that we feel about these types of things um, without sort of giving us the credit of, of saying like, yeah, and we've been really socialized to yeah. be this way, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like you chose to be actively comparing yourself to other women, right? Like, that's a thing that was taught to you yes. by where you came from by society at large, by like all of these different factors has been telling you all your life to compare yourself to other women. That's the reality, right? And now you're doing that thing that you've been taught to do. And you're telling yourself, this is my individual failing. I'm the asshole here. Everyone else is doing better than I am. I'm the one that's fucked up here. Not like the idea that we tell, we tell little girls all the time to compare themselves to other little girls. And then like that gets yes. internalized over and over and over again. Right. So like you're the issue here isn't that you are bad for having anxiety, right? The issue here is that this is, we live in a society that, that forces women particularly to do this thing over and over and over again. So like, I think what you are, what you're seeking here is some sort of way to alleviate that anxiety so that you can tell yourself again that you're a good person, right? Like, cause you're telling yourself good people aren't anxious about this stuff. Good people aren't doing these types of things. I'm a bad person because I'm constantly comparing myself to other women. Guess what? I'm constantly comparing myself to other people too, right? Like I think so many of us are like constantly doing this thing. So instead of having like a meta feeling about like, I'm a horrible person because I'm doing this thing instead. Like, what is it? What is your anxiety trying to tell yourself and how are you tending to the wound that is coming up over and over again? So instead of being like, Oh my God, I'm so horrible. I'm feeling anxious. Uh, I'm going to go through his Instagram. That's going to make me feel better. Instead saying, yes, this is absolutely how I would expect myself to respond in this type of situation. This is the pattern that I've been using over and over and over again. It's not my pattern. It was given to me. Mm. I don't particularly like it, but it's right now the only one that I have. So what are some of the other patterns that I'm going to do to help help tend the wound rather than just fall into this trap of constant comparison? So instead of being like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm a bad person because I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to let this need go come out sideways in such in these all of these different ways. Instead, say, I'm feeling really anxious. Wow. I'm so like that is such a hard thing for me to be feeling. I didn't ask for this. I didn't choose this. This isn't mine. It was given to me. So what are the things that I need to do to 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 treat myself well in this instance Mm -hmm. to say, I'm fe- this feeling is so difficult to be parsing through, to have to deal with all the time. I feel so bad for myself, honestly. Like I feel I want to hold myself more dearly because I'm having this feeling. Yeah. Not punish myself further for having it. Yeah. And to, to speak to that punishing, which I kind of brought up earlier, is like this constant comparison, this when you feel anxious, you seek out something that reaffirms 
mm-hmm. this wound that you inherited, right? This this right. self worth um, question, and I just want to like challenge you again. I think so much of my mind has been changed just by small pivots or small narrative changes. So the next time you're feeling anxious, maybe say to yourself, like, well, what is, what am I feeling anxious about? I'm anxious that my boyfriend could like other people or like find other people attractive. How can I, why, Mm -hmm. why is that an anxiety for me? What is the wound? Okay. The wound is I've been taught my whole life that my worth and value is tied up in desirability and somebody's ability to love me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then you think, okay, how am I going to heal this wound? How am I going to satiate this anxiety right now? It's, I literally would stop and tell myself like, well, it's not going to be by going out and reinforcing this lie that this anxiety is telling me. Um, I know that's really hard to do in the moment, but I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to highlight the fact that these active these choices to go and click these, you know, obviously the Instagram thing was a one-time thing, but it's a perfect metaphor, right? Of like actively going and finding out ways that reinforce your sense of self. Um, Right. And instead saying like Sam said, well, what could actually nurture me right now? What's going to nurture me? Because that comparison's not going to nurture you. That comparison, even even if Mm -hmm. you don't, Find anything. If you click on every single one of his followers and they're all like brawny dudes <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to feel good at the end of that uh, follower list. That wound isn't going to mm-hmm. be nurtured. So what in, instead of right. seeking out ways to reinforce the lies that we have inherited about ourselves, how can we pivot to, to instead nurture the wound that the lies are built on? Why do I think that if my boyfriend looks at a different body that's mine, that 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 instantly puts my body at a disadvantage, instantly puts my his love and desire for me as on a hierarchy and that I'm losing. Um, Why do I think that way? And I mentioned earlier in my weird rambling intro (laughs) that I wanted to talk about um, desire and, and the way that we view it in with such strange scarcity, I had to, that's another lie that we've inherited, or that's another ideology that we were given as specifically young girls, right? That we are constantly pitted against each other and that there's no, there's no nuance. There's no flexibility in desire. And there's no, uh, you know, God forbid there's anybody's like actual personal autonomy wrapped it up in desire, you know. Right. Instead, it's a reflection of our systems of power. It's a reflection of white supremacy. It's a reflection of um, ableism, you know. And mm. we internalize all of that and we put ourselves into that hierarchy, right? Um, and we reinforce it by denying the nuance, the flexibility, the autonomy of desire. And right. let's add a sprinkle a little like toxic monogamy on that and think that our monogamy or our, you know, not even monogamy, but like our personal connection with somebody is inherently threatened if they see something they like in someone else, which makes so much sense to my broken little heart. Right. (laughs) But if I stop and think about it, 
and and this is this is what's breaking down you know this is what it looks like to break down some of these anxious patterns right these self-harming patterns that reinforce the lie that we've been told of ourselves so let's stop and break it down my boyfriend liked a bikini pic of someone else how does that directly what how does that directly impact my desirability and his love and respect and desire for me and this is a genuine right. question like let's like like where do where do where does our brain go well she has nicer skin than i do or she has bigger boobs or she has whatever. I'm just like literally going back to the Britney Spears example. My high school boyfriend mm -hmm. told me once that Britney Spears was hot. And I literally will never forget it because in my brain, I thought if he thinks she's hot, then how the fuck can anything he's told me about myself and my body be true? Because I look nothing like Britney Spears. Right. But like also <laughs> like I think Jason Momoa is hot. And I also think. Uh, Sarah Paulson is hot and they look nothing alike. <laughs> and my, and my boner for either of them is like not impacted or diminished, you know, I, and I know it's more complicated than that, but no, like literally it's just like, like how do we break down the lies that we tell ourselves? For sure. And the lies that Have we been told, were taught, totally. right? Like in addition to this idea of like, why do I think this? I want you to, I want you to say also who taught me yeah. this as well. Like, where did I learn it from? Because again, I don't want you to internalize this misogyny that you're exercising on yourself as being somehow of you. Right. It's not. Right. It is not of you. Right. It is it is outside of you. It has been you may have internalized it, but that's it was not an active choice. Right. You weren't like, hey, I I decided to do this thing. I really wanted to punish myself. That's that sounded like a really good idea. Right. Like and one of the things that that I've had to do in my own therapy journey is also like recognize that I am not made up of my thoughts, my feelings or my actions. Mm. Right. I am somebody who does things. I am somebody who has feelings. I am somebody who thinks about things. I am not those things. I am not the mm. thoughts. I am not the feelings. I'm not the actions. So like you say in your letter, I hate myself for doing this Instagram thing. And I, I want to reframe that and say, I think you're disappointed that this felt like the only tool you had available yeah. to you, right? And that's not your fault necessarily, right? And you're not, you, like the, the action that you did there, while I can totally understand is disappointing or something that you didn't want to do, doesn't necessarily mean anything about you as a person, right? I hate myself because of this action, right? No, you can hate the action and not hate yourself. You can be right. disappointed by what you did. I love that. And even, I don't even want you to hate the action. I want you to to recognize like, I'm just really disappointed that that I haven't been set up with the right tools to be able to, to handle myself in a way that's in alignment with my values in this situation. Yes. I'm disappointed that I haven't been afforded the skills to help me cope with this in a way that serves me and my partner well. That because that's what it is. It's really disappointing that those that the actions that you feel you have available to you seem so limited. Yes. But you're not a bad person for doing this thing. Wow. Right? You're not. Wow. That is such a good are, tool, Sam. Right. You are a person that did something you're disappointed in. But guess what? 
we are all people who are going to do yes. things that we're disappointed in yes. because we are flawed humans. But that doesn't mean that the worth that we all inherently have in us is diminished by the things that we do, the feelings that we have, the thoughts that we experience. Yeah. And I know that I've talked about this a lot lately, but um, for me, so much of this letter uh, contains those inherited, indoctrinated thought patterns of anxiety that are only made more um, reliable, quote unquote, reliable, the more we live and the more we we believe that lie about ourselves, that I'm unattractive mm -hmm. or that my attractiveness is threatened by other people or, you know, whatever. Um, and I just want to suggest pull a Sam and suggest therapy specifically for me, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just a form of um, talk therapy that was really helpful for me in terms of literally rewiring some of those thought patterns because you even say it in your letter, like mm -hmm. you're writing from, I want to be better USA. <laughs> you recognize <laughs> that these patterns are no longer serving you. So now it's about disruption of those patterns and understanding mm -hmm. the core wounds that led us to relying on these cognitive patterns to, to, they don't, they don't give us relief. They just re again, they reinforce the lies that we've been taught about ourselves. So if you have the resources, if you have the opportunity, I would I would heavily encourage you to reach out to a professional to help you unpack some of these and also like talk to your partner about it. Um, bring him into the oh, journey. Yeah, that too. yeah we kind of scaled over that, but we've, you know, anxiously attached folks have a right to talk about their needs and desires in a way that isn't based in shame. Um, so I encourage mm -hmm. you to bring your partner into these learning conversations and it can be silly. Right. You can say like, you don't have to tell them about the whole follower list, but you can say, so sometimes like I get insecure about the people you follow on Instagram. I don't want you to change who you're following. I just like, I want to like say it out loud so that I can get it out of my body mm -hmm. and laugh at it and like maybe lean on you to co to cope with that, you know, and maybe For sure. I can imagine that him saying like, oh, my God, babe, you're so hot. You know, like, I love you so much. How, like, <laughs> how can I support you? You yeah. know, or something like that. For sure. Absolutely. All right, my darling. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Thank you so much. We hope this helps. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and 
and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. This next letter comes to us from Runner Up Babe, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Just Break Up has been a valuable resource for me over the past couple of years. Thank you so much for helping my Scorpio brain figure out how to take my feelings out of their lockbox in the back of my head. It's always hard for me, but listening to you read such vulnerable letters and talking openly about love has made it a little bit easier. So let's get into it. I've had a crush on one of my close friends, we're both 26 bisexual she, her, for years. And over the past eight months or so, the gay juju between us has gotten stronger and stronger. We hooked up at a party and became friends with benefits a couple months after that, spending lots of time together, texting continuously, and having sex sometimes. For a while, we told ourselves that having sex was totally normal, fun, sustainable thing that friends, especially queer friends, do, and that we didn't need to dig into it any deeper but y'all i kept digging i had such a romantic (laughs) crush on her it hurt and shout out to me i told her (laughs) so charming (laughs) a month ago after many many hangouts where the timing just felt wrong for a big conversation about feelings i finally sent a risky text admitting that i had feelings for her and that i'd be willing to explore what that meant if she felt the same and the feelings were reciprocated woohoo but of course there's a but It's complicated. She's in an open, long-distance relationship with her partner, 27 he-him, of five years. 
and I'm not sure how I'm going to fit into her relationship landscape. I'm generally an open, sexually adventurous person and have multiple sex partners outside of this budding relationship, but after giving it a lot of thought, I don't think I'm quite polyamorous. I don't think I have the emotional or romantic bandwidth to connect deeply or form meaningful partnerships with multiple people, despite enjoying the freedom and joy of making a new sexual slash social connection. But I think she is polyamorous in a way that I believe, but I'm struggling to, to fully grasp. And that's where a lot of my insecurities come in. Her and her other partner have been together for so long and have so many deep ties to one another through family, previous cohabitation, etc. I feel like I'll never be able to measure up. They have an arrangement where when they're physically apart, they prioritize their other friends and lovers over one another, which ends up being the vast majority of the time. But I still feel weird about it. Despite spending the vast majority of my time with her, I'm still not the partner her family knows about. I still have to lay low and do my own thing while he's around and she is prioritizing him. And if the goal of long distance relationship is eventually to close the distance gap, what will happen to me? According to their current arrangement, if they were physically together, I'd get all but fully edged out of the picture. I've talked with her about it and I feel comforted in the moment then immediately insecure again the second we're apart. I just can't shake the feeling that I'm the secret side bitch, even though this partnership is something I can picture growing into a deep, meaningful relationship I want to tell my parents about someday. I guess my question for you is, how do I feel secure entering a new relationship with someone who is already in a long-standing relationship with someone else? I'm not so much jealous as I am afraid of being deprioritized. How do I deal with the imbalanced Venn diagram of our combined emotional lives? Us in the middle, her serious partner on one side, and my collection of less serious play partners on the other. I would love to hear any advice or insight that you have. I don't know who else to talk to about this, and the act of putting these thoughts into tangible words has already helped a lot. Love you both dearly. Mm. Thank you so much, Runner Up Babe, for writing to us um, and for trusting us with this really um, squishy sort of question around what does it look like to practice some of my um, values around meeting new people and getting close to people and also trying to protect the part of me that that wants to be prioritized all the time by somebody um, and and sort of sitting in that that discomfort or sitting in that gray area. Um, we appreciate the invitation to do that with you. Yes. I, before we dive into um, our thoughts and musings, I just want to say something that would have maybe tripped me up as a listener maybe five years ago or so. Um, I I would have assumed upon um, runner-up babes admission that they are not, quote, quite polyamorous, that that the clear answer is like, well, then you don't want to be with a polyamorous person. But just in case there's anybody confused, like I would have been years ago, um, that it's very possible for folks to have a monogamous or an open relationship with someone who is polyamorous while not identifying as that, you know, you can, um, there's lots of different ways, different combinations for folks to find um, partnership. Um, I think I just wanted to say that because right. as somebody who has practiced predominantly or exclusively monogamy, um, that would have 
confused me before I actually literally before I knew certain polyamorous couples, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, there's (laughs) some folks in my life who, who are monogamous and their partners are polyamorous, you know? So Mm -hmm. just wanted to clear that up. And I think, so as you're thinking about entering this relationship and, and trying to find security in it, um, I want to affirm that this is a situation that that may feel complicated and new to you. And to also say that um, there really isn't a possibility of entering a new relationship with 100% security. Oh, what a, what right? a like, great way to leave that. <laughs> You're just so good at this. Like it's, it's just impossible because we will never fully know each other. Um, and I think that we have this assumption that or we often have this assumption that if we like follow the right rules, those feelings of, of insecurity or those feelings of, um, of discomfort maybe will go away. Like it's like, yeah, we we just have to abide by the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Or if we worry enough, true. Yeah, that too. Um, and then those feelings of, of discomfort will, will go away or those feelings of insecurity will go away. But I think it's important to remember that like insecurity in relationship happens. It's natural as is discomfort. Yeah. Um, so instead of, again, I like feel like I'm harping on this, but instead of beating ourselves up for having the feeling, instead being like, cool, this is a thing that's going to happen. What are the tools I have available to me to help assuage some of this insecurity or yeah. to to sit in it or acknowledge that it is going to be my companion as we're figuring out what this relationship is going to look like for us? Yeah. And I think exactly as Sam said, although this on the surface seems like a little extra complicated, um, it is at its core, it's about talking about your needs with your partner and Mm -hmm. and seeing if your needs are are, uh, mutually uh, fit together. Help me out there. (laughs) Yeah. What am I trying to say? Like symbiotic. Yes, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And the way I would, I think I would handle this is, um, after like stressing and crying and feeling anxious and talking to Sam, <laughs> spiraling, <laughs> shame spiraling for sure. Um, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I would bring this to my partner, um, and I would bring the, the key concerns that I would bring to my partner that pop out of your letter are, are this one, um, the feeling of, Investing in this connection um, with what you surmise would be a eventual eventual end date. You know, like it's hard to go into any sure. vulnerable relationship when we when it is assumed that that relationship will end. And I think that, mm-hmm. like, I am just I'm just speculating as you are, and only you and your partner can determine how big of that how big that risk is of like, I don't know, this being a relationship that is worth investing in regardless of a potential end date, you know, or not, you know, is it safe for you? Is it not safe for you? But I would echo what Sam said, which is like, we all technically have end dates, (laughs) you know, like nothing's forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is. But like, I think that's a reasonable, I would have a hard time, um, growing my vulnerability garden. (laughs) Mm -hmm, If I mm -hmm, thought, mm -hmm. if I thought that garden was going to be displaced one day, um, that's, and that's like Sam said, inviting those feelings in, just saying like, yeah, of course it's hard to be vulnerable and like 
grow connection when you think that you're going to be uprooted. Um, so I would bring mm-hmm. that to my partner and just say, like, I'm really feeling this. I'm really enjoying this. I see this as a partnership that I could grow. And also, it's kind of making me feel it's it's hard for me to be present and to invest because of X, Y, and Z, right? Um, and also the feeling, which I've heard from other um, polyamorous partners or couples, um, this, the forced monogamy of our culture and the way that certain partners get prioritized over other partners when it comes to family and like cultural societal mm-hmm. presentation. So in this instance, sure. you brought up the, 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 the painful wound that, you know, her other partner, her long distance partner, um, the hetero presenting partnership is the one that the family mm. knows about. And that's a real wound. I mean, that's like, of course you're feeling that way. Of course I like that would spark insecurity in me. And again, so it, it's, it's about bringing these things to your partner and deciding together if this is a safe environment for you to grow that vulnerability garden. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really love that metaphor, but I'm going to go with it. But and keeping in mind that like all vulnerability gardens are susceptible to the elements, a.k.a. what Sam was talking about, which is like, we're not promised anything, (laughs) you know, like there's no security anywhere. (laughs) There could be like a typhoon. That's right. That garden will eventually be uprooted in in some way. Or thinking generations from now that 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 garden may outgrow its gardenness because, you know, (laughs) humans won't be here anymore. So it'll just be like. (laughs) <laughs> allowed to do its own thing. Man, we have not done a metaphor spiral in a long time, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> so what I'll also say to you is that, like, you can also decide that this isn't working for you and not be, like, a bad, unenlightened person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you can be, like, um, you can be in a place where you're, like, I actually kind of want to think long term and I kind of want to think a little bit more monogamously. Like, I want to think about who I'm introducing my parents to. Or that's where I want to like, grow my garden, you know. <laughs> right. And th- that's great. Like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, if, if you get to a point where you're, like, trying to make yourselves fit together and it's just not because it's just a different understanding of what the future might look like or an understand a different priorities when it comes to relationships like that doesn't mean that you're unenlightened if you're like it is it's just, just going to be too hard for me to yeah. sit in this and and not feel prioritized yeah. like that doesn't make you a bad person um even as we're talking about the harms that compulsory monogamy puts on people right exactly right like it's not the monogamists that are the problem. It is the compulsory monogamy that's the problem, right. right? Like if you are really wanting some sort of more monogamous relationship with this person, it doesn't mean you're a bad yeah. person. It just means you want a different thing than they do. Yeah. And similarly, like if you decide that this is uh, worth it, you know, or not worth it, like that makes it sound like it's incredibly laborious or terrible. <laughs> but if you decide like you're just going to see where this goes, like that's a great choice too. What the issue is here is the insecurity, not necessarily the relationship dynamic, right? Like we can rid ourselves of insecurity in the same soil going with that same metaphor, right? We just need transparency. We need 
you know, partner transparency. We needed their support. We needed space to air these grievances. We need a new way of looking at them. Um, the issue here for me is not uh, the lack of security in the relationship. As Sam said, no relationship has that truly. And also, mm -hmm. uh, no, not and also, has that truly... The issue for me is that you leave this partnership and then you go home and you feel insecure. Like that's not, that's not sustainable right. to me. Um, yep. Seeing where this relationship goes as sustainable as any relationship is, but coming home and sure. feeling anxious and feeling insecure and really worrying about what your value and your place is in this person's life. That's, that has to be refigured. I think again, there'll be sort of this push to say like living in the moment is the enlightened way to be in relationships. Like just embrace it. Everything is impermanent. Cool. Yeah, I agree with that. And <laughs> it's also okay for you to, <laughs> it's also okay for you to be like, no, I want to think longer term about this. Yeah, like I totally. want to know, I want to have a vision for the future that's aligned because I, it, that's important to me. Right. And so again, like you can like, I think it's really easy when you're like with the person that you have all of these, like these, these like good hormones with, and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> let's, let's kiss and touch and talk about our future. And like, leaving that feeling like really secure in it and then sort of leaving and being like, Oh no, th those, those brain hormones aren't there anymore. And now I'm like, wait <laughs> <Yeah>. a minute. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about the future again. Um, and I think it is okay for you to, to, to say like this living in the moment thing isn't actually going to work for me. Yes. I really do want to know what things are going to look like in like six months. Cause I'm trying to plan my life and what I'm going to prioritize. Yes, um, totally. And, and you know, we, Again, we sort of may hear this sort of like cultural talk about like just live in the moment, which I absolutely 100% agree with. Do live in the moment. Like don't practice, like don't necessarily be so focused on like future and past. Right. And you can, it's important to also know like what you're thinking about in the future so you can make decisions in this moment about like what is and is not okay with you. Yeah. So again, like... I don't think that there's anything wrong with what's happening here. Like, I don't think that either of you is like a bad actor in this situation. Right. And like I said, security is not or insecurity is natural in new relationships where you're defining the terms and you're figuring out what, what things are going to look like for you. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you can decide based on what you want, how you're going to approach this relationship and, and focusing on monogamy, focusing on like, thinking about the future doesn't mean that you're like a, a bad person <laughs> or like yeah, that you are totally somehow right. backwards in your thinking, right? Like you can practice those things while also trying to challenge compulsory monogamy while also trying to challenge like near term harmful thinking, right? Like you can be doing all of those things and also living in your own values and your own beliefs about the world. I agree. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing. Absolutely. We love you. We hope this helps. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our next letter comes from Brutally Dumped, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from desolation, which is not a fun place to be writing from. (laughs) Hi, you two. Thanks for everything you do. I've been listening to you since I was brutally dumped last summer. You have been one of the only stable things in my life over the last seven months or so, and I'm eternally grateful. I am particularly appreciative for your hard truths, looking at you, Sam, and your warmth and affirmations, now looking at you, Sierra. I have come to look forward to Mondays and your Patreon episodes more than you could ever know. This is a long scattered letter, which is a good way to sum up my last year or so, LMAO. So I'm sorry in advance. I am a 28-year-old single cis woman, she, her. And by single, I mean very single. As noted at the outset, I was brutally dumped by my ex, he, him, last June. We had been together for a year and a half and had lived together throughout COVID. He told me he wanted to marry me one week and was gone the next. Oh, I know that dance. I'm a serial... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm a serial monogamist and have been in several long-term relationships, but this was the first one who I felt certain I wanted to build a future with. The breakup, which occurred over a torturous three days because he kept changing his mind, broke me. When he ended things, he told me it was because he needed time to be alone and grow up. He's 30, LOL. (laughs) He said a bunch of other confusing things. He still loved me. I was the best thing that ever happened to him. He had never been so happy. He just needed time and that he saw a future with me. I wanted to believe that, but at the same time, he said a number of very hurtful things. Most notably, he voiced concerns that we were incompatible because he loves to do outdoor activities like surf and mountain bike, while I apparently only like to get my nails done and watch The Bachelor. His one-dimensional depiction of me made me feel like he never really knew me at all. I started questioning whether the connection was ever real, and worse, I started questioning myself. Was that really all I had going for me? Was I dreaming of a future while he was dreaming of an escape? My self-esteem plummeted. It felt like a person I was ready to marry and had spent so much time with didn't know me at all. I love the outdoors. I grew up hiking and camping and all of that good stuff. I also love The Bachelor and getting my nails done, and I am not ashamed of that. And not to toot my own horn, but I am at the peak of professional success, working perhaps the most prestigious job in my field. He's in the same field, so he knows my success more than anyone. The fact that he only saw a small part of me hurt beyond belief. Since then, I've engaged in a number of self-destructive behaviors. I stopped eating, started drinking every day, stopped working out, and became obsessed with making my ex regret it by posting thirst traps and outdoorsy pictures on Instagram. I have felt desperate, pathetic, and never so utterly alone. Obviously, none of it has made the pain of rejection go away. My whole life was consumed by thoughts of him. Eventually, I sent him a lengthy letter saying everything I never got the chance to. I demanded that he give me the gift of finality and tell me once and for all if he actually meant it when he said he just needed time. I got no reply. I hated myself for once again letting myself be vulnerable with him. This cascaded into even more destructive behaviors. Specifically, I started seeing a coworker, he, him, who has a fiance. She, the fiance, lives in the, a different city half of the time. I know how messy it sounds, and I feel terrible about it. It was an escape, and over time, my feelings for him became really real. 
He told me that he was falling in love with me and that he was going to end things with her. He also told me that he thought I was smart and an incredible catch. Things my ex obviously made me doubt. As of the end of December, he had not left his fiance. I'm pretty sure she has no idea. And this affair had been going on for three months. He seemed very content having me as a work girlfriend while continuing to plan his wedding at home. Since January 1st, I have stopped drinking and started working out again. I called my therapist and scheduled sessions, and I ended things with the fiance guy. I'm really starting to get my life back on track. So here comes the question. To be completely honest, I still feel like I'm everything I'm doing is still motivated by the prospect of either proving to my ex that he was wrong and I am the one for him, or bettering myself for the sole purpose of landing someone who might actually want to stick around. In other words, my supposed self-care activities are not about myself at all. How can I start living my life for me? In other words, how can I stop being solely driven by the prospect of finally being seen by these toxic men? Any advice to get myself out of this mindset would be super appreciated. Thanks for reading. Oh, my darling. Brutally dumped. Thank you so much for writing. I'm going to start by extending you some humanity and tell you that I deeply relate to this letter and that at one point in my journey of my life, I felt so fucking selfish. I felt like such a hot mess. I felt like so misdirected because I felt like every single decision I made in my life was an externally motivated decision. Um, and that made me mm. feel like I had no backbone or personality or like inner compass. Um, and something that shifted my perspective or shifted my mindset that I'd like to extend to you, fellow human, fellow human that is so complicated and so, so like intricate and um, intersectional. Like you've got so many things making you who you are right now, not just these toxic men, right? Not just the desire to be mm -hmm. loved, not just the desire to like get your shit together, not just um, the desire to, to, to be better, right? You have so many intersecting, interwoven threads that make you who you are. The The piece of humanity that I want to extend to you that I gave myself was I stopped punishing myself or thinking that I was a bad person because I was externally motivated. I didn't let that be yeah. one more thing mm. that I was doing wrong because Again, this episode has all been about lies that we tell ourselves. <laughs> Here's another lie we mm -hmm. tell ourselves. The people that we see like on Instagram that just like hiked a mountain and they're in like perfect gear and they're there by themselves and they're like totally self-motivated and they did it just because they want to do it <laughs> and not because their uh -huh. wife dragged them up to the Adirondacks. <laughs> um, oh, oh. <laughs> hit a nerve. Um, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, like everyone that you see online in our perfectly painted Instagram personalities that we think aren't externally motivated, like have motivations that we could never even understand. Um, so true. The person who posts that, that, that running selfie, that's like, oh, I just love doing things for myself or whatever, you know, whatever genuine thing they're saying, um, they have motivations for why they do things. We're all externally motivated. Even the most enlightened, um, uh, independent, um, compass bearing inner stir listening motherfuckers out there are 
at least have to process the external forces that are unrelentless in their sway over us. Right. Um, Mm. So I just want to say, like, I stopped hating myself like at least 30 percent when I realized that, like, yeah, I am externally motivated. I am I am inspired by other people. I'm motivated by other people. I'm moved to action by my desire to be kind to people. What a beautiful thing. Let's shift the perspective of it, right? Like that you, mm-hmm. that you want to be better so that you can find someone who it treats you well. That's a beautiful thing, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, and also don't forget that you're a part of every single one of these sentences. You're a part of every single one of these equations. You're doing this. For sure. You stopped drinking. You started working out again. You called your therapist. You did all of those things. And you can overanalyze yourself into oblivion and diminish your power mm-hmm. to, into oblivion by telling yourself like, oh, well, I'm only doing it because of these people because I want to prove somebody wrong. Well, fuck it. You know what? It reminds me of when Sam in the past episodes have reminded us that like anger is sometimes important in breakups that like the high road, it's not the time to take the enlightened high road. And sometimes emotions like anger, like allows us to like get to the place we need to be in. Listen, if you want to fucking prove this person wrong, (laughs) I don't care right now. What I care about, obviously like we can see how that is like an unsustainable practice, Sure, but my priority in this response to you is to get you to to recognize that you're not broken, you're not healing incorrectly, you're not mm. um, you're not uh, denying yourself some authentic journey that other people have more easily than you do. You're just fucking dealing mm. because being a human is hard, and like separating our intentions and our influences is fucking hard. Like. I don't know necessarily why I do everything that I do. And if I stop and think about it, there are cultural influences, societal, family, uh, childhood triggers. You know, if I want, if my, if my wife is having a good day or not, you know, like we're totally, we're, we are so (laughs) externally influenced and that I want you to see that humanity in you and just say like, you know, what's important is that I'm treating myself well. You know, what's important is that I'm being kind to myself. I'm giving myself some grace and some patience and some, and some nurturing. For sure. Absolutely. And being entirely intrinsically motivated isn't healthy either. Right. Like, it's not. It it can turn us into like selfish sociopaths if we're only focused on our own our own health, our own security, like all of those things. So there's something to be said for both sides of those coin. And I think that too, like you're probably not giving yourself credit for your own intrinsic yeah. motivation in the same way that that Sierra said, right? Like you could be totally ex- like, I don't think that that sort of stopping or doing these things that are healthy for you, that are supporting you is entirely extrinsically motivated. Yes. Like I think that there's there's definitely intrinsic stuff there that you may not be going giving yourself credit for. But it is so interesting to me the ways in which we can use our own self-awareness as a weapon against ourselves, yes. right? Like this idea of like I know that I'm doing things in this way and so therefore that's bad, <laughs> right? Like therefore I'm a bad person for being this type of way. Um when really you're using this thing that you know about yourself as a tool to do things that you know are going to be helpful for you, right? right? Like you are 
right? You're not using this extrinsic motivation to be doing things that are causing yourself active harm. You're saying, I know that I need to do these things and this is going to be the thing that motivates me. So I'm going to focus on that. And it's easier to address some of these like underlying things when we're doing the work to already take care of ourselves, right? right? So the fact that you're using this as a tool to achieve a goal of drinking less, which sounds like it's your goal, of doing more exercise, of like trying to be in your body more and trying to stop sort of um, self-medicating in that way. Great. It's going to be easier for you to think about your motivations when you are doing things that are in support of your own health. Like, yeah, I think this idea that we have to do things perfectly and we have to do them exactly the way that we want to do them the first time and like consistently is a product of capitalism. And, And so give yourself credit. You are doing things that are in service to your health. You're using things that you know about yourself to like get you motivated. And that that is so great. Like, yes. And then if this is something that you want to work on, if this is something that you want to be thinking about and talking to your therapist about, cool, let's do yeah. it. But let's not beat ourselves up for not having the capacity to do something different when we haven't tried yet. Yes. <laughs> right. Like when we haven't when we haven't been working on it yet, like it's. It's okay. You're on a process. You're in a journey towards something different. And it's not going to look like a light switch. It's going to look like a forever work, right? It's going to look like a long, long journey to figure out how you're going to continue to support yourself as you change and as you grow and as things happen to you. Um, And I applaud you for that. I'm glad that you're starting out on this journey. And I want to say, great job. You're doing it. You don't need to change necessarily anything about what you're doing in this moment. You just need to keep on keeping on, keep doing the things that you know are working for you. And I also want to say, like I joked earlier about like proving this fucker wrong, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. eh, you know, like we obviously like don't hitch your self-esteem to this person, but it's kind of all connected to me because if you practice this act of, of humanizing yourself, of recognizing like, I'm following my desires. I'm trying to treat myself better. I'm allowing myself to be multidimensional. I'm allowing myself Mm. to be imperfect. By humanizing yourself, you humanize the world too. And maybe in that act of humanizing yourself and like, and working on yourself and prioritizing what feels good, you recognize that like, he's a human too. And he didn't necessarily always feel good or always like have it all together. Like, in humanizing yourself and allowing yourself to be unbroken, you know, you don't have anything to prove to this person because they're broken too. Like, and they're them mm. seeing your non brokenness is not a true place of growth or humanity because it's not allowing him to be broken. You know, like we're, we're all works in practice progress. We're all whole as we grow. And, um, yep. you know, what Sam and I are really hitting on is that, like, you're on a journey and this is all going to change and ebb and flow and <sighs> you're doing good. You're doing a good job. And fuck that guy. You are. <laughs> yeah. No, he sounds like the worst. Yeah. And like, don't, don't hitch your self-esteem to this person who is, who is uh, on a journey that's not yours and like, yeah. and like is, I don't know, smelly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like taking that nice little, like, you know, yeah, no. riff and then ending with something like petty and immature. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he spends a lot of time outside. So like, 
who knows what's what that undercarriage is smelling like. You oh know what I mean? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, obviously, like we could talk a little <laughs> to bit. To be more. clear, there's nothing wrong with having a smelly undercarriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're so, we're so, we just want to like humanize everybody. So like, also, I shouldn't have said that he's smelly because like bodies smell. Period. Damn it, bodies smell. That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's okay that our undercarriages get a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little stanky sometimes. This is all I'm trying to say. Um, my darling, brutally dumped. Is that like? You know, he, he doesn't have it magically together in a way that you need to prove that you now have it together. That's a facade. Right. That's a lie. Like, we all don't have it together. We all are making it up as we go on. So, like, I joked about being like, yeah, use him as a motivation. And also, in the same breath, know that that motivation can only take us so far, like, uh, because... Mm -hmm. The, the core of that motivation has to be, I want to feel better about myself, not right. I need to prove to this imperfect person that I am perfect because I think he's, you know, like it's a unsustainable sure. equation. Yeah. I think about how do you think about sustainability of this practice as well? Mm -hmm. So like, how are you, how are you pivoting some of that, that motivation maybe? And also like, how are you giving yourself a little bit of grace mm -hmm. too, to say like, even if I don't work out every day, or even if I have a couple drinks, I'm still not losing sight of the work that I've done or the, the, the journey that I'm on. Because remember, it's a journey. It is not right. like a one and done thing. It is not a just cool. Now I'm a healthy person. And before I was an unhealthy person, right? right. It's like, there is always shades of gray there's always complications there's always nuance in all of this that we're talking about all the time right absolutely all right my darling um we hope that this scattered musings brings you some comfort and um lets you like flex those humanity muscles a little bit like we're all taking cues from ourselves and other people in society all the time um you're doing a good job absolutely you're doing the best that you can we love you <laughs> thank you so much for writing we hope this helps all right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with. It's a cookbook uh, that I've actually had for like uh, a long time, <laughs> probably right. um, cl close to a decade or, or something like that. But um, I'm doing something really intelligent and I am like gutting and rehauling my kitchen in my eighth month of pregnancy, which is like so mm. smart and well-timed and definitely not That's something really I regret. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So cool. in going through all of my kitchen stuff, I was reminded of um, a cookbook that I've had and returned to, you know, after several moves after, you know, like every time you move, you like get rid of things and I've never gotten rid mm -hmm. of this. Um, and it is, uh, called Isa Does It, Amazingly Easy, Wildly Delicious Vegan Recipes for Every Day of the Week. I am not vegan. I am pescatarian mostly, um, but I bought this cookbook because I actually went, uh, it's it's by Isa Chandra Moskowitz, and I actually went to Isa's restaurant in um in Nebraska once, which is totally random, um, but it was like delicious. Huh. Um, and so I wanted to uh, support her. Um, this cookbook has some of my favorite recipes that I still make to this day. Um, check out the Thai sweet potato and kale curry soup. It is, I make it like probably once a month. Um, mm. Anyway, it's just a, 
a cookbook that's stuck around in my kitchen for many years that I constantly return to and has great diversity in it. And it's all pretty, it's like, I feel like sometimes vegan or vegetarian recipes feel out of reach because they're utilizing um, ingredients that like are a little bit more unique to the kitchen. And I feel like this is a really approachable option if you're looking for more ways to go meat-free in your diet. Awesome. I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow and subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his newest podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, it's possible to question the lies that we've been told about ourselves. Who told you that there was something inherently wrong with you? Who taught you that you are not enough as you are, as you grow? When did you learn that other people have it together and you don't? We have been told all sorts of things about ourselves. Only we can decide what is true. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>